You're listening to the Passion Church Podcast. Our mission is to help people win by living a genuine Jesus-filled life. If you are ever in Cameron, Missouri, then come and join us and be a part of the Passion Church family. You can visit our website, passionchurchmo.com, to find out more about us. John, the fifth chapter. I'm going to read out of the King James to start with. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, verse 1. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these, the porches, lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water, that whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years, and Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case. And he said unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? And the impotent man answered him and said, I have no man. For when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I am coming, another step down before me. And Jesus said unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, and took up his bed, and walked on the same day was the Sabbath. Now there's a whole lot more I can get into, but I'm going to stop right there, if that's all right with you. Back up with me real quick to verse 6. I'm going to read it out of the Amplified. I'll start with verse 5. There was a certain man who had suffered with a deep-seated and lingering disorder for 38 years. And when Jesus noticed him lying there, helpless, knowing that he had already been a long time in that condition, he said to him, Do you want to become well? And are you really in earnest about getting well? Hmm. Let me uh, add something to the story. Drop down to verse 14. The man went into the temple, got into some grief with some of the religious leaders of the day because they were upset that he was healed on the Sabbath. Jesus had a discussion with them. Don't you understand Sabbath was made for the man, not man for the Sabbath. Jesus had this discussion that I must be about the Father's business and the Father's continually healing. The Father's has stopped healing because it's the Sabbath day. God is always healing. God is always working. But man didn't understand that. Man wanted to go by the letter of the law. That brings us to verse 14. Afterwards, Jesus find him, who? The man who was healed in the temple. And he said to him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more. lest a worse thing come unto thee. I'll end with that. And the Amplified says it this way. There was a certain man who had suffered with a deep-seated and lingering disorder for 38 years, and when Jesus noticed him lying there helpless, knowing that he'd already been a long time in that condition, he said to him, Do you want to become well? Do you want to become well? Are you really in earnest about getting well. 
I just have a question. I just want to have a conversation with the church today. If you're streaming today, you can get in on the conversation. Lean in. If I was going to title this message, and, and, and I can't preach the whole message, I'm just going to kind of talk a moment or two with you. I would ask this question very pointedly. Church, will you be well? You see, this man wasn't an outsider. He was an insider. This man wasn't a worldly person. This man was a believer. And Jesus' question to him was, do you really want well? And when Jesus confronted him with that question, the man, of course, like we all do, offered up excuses about the ailment. Well, it's, I've had this all my life. Well, I've, I've always struggled with this. Well, it's just my temper. It's just the way I am. It's just how I have always been. He began to offer up excuses. How often do we cover up our infirmity by offering excuses? To make our infirmity seem more acceptable. Oh, I'm going somewhere. I'm putting a spiritual application to this natural story. Are you ready? Look at this. Many people cry, Jesus, heal me. But the implication here is, are you really sincere? Are you really sincere? Many people cry, heal me, Jesus, like blind Bartimaeus did. You'll find that story in Mark, the 10th chapter, 46 to the 52nd verse. But blind Bartimaeus wasn't like most people. Most people will sit by the wayside and scream, oh, heal me, or give me something, look at my infirmity, have pity on me, look at my condition, help me with my condition, but don't ask me to change. Oh, goodness, I'm going to preach. I can feel it coming. That's what we do. We make excuses for the condition we're in. It's always been this way. Well, I've always acted this way. Well, um, you know, uh, I've heard people even do this. Well, we're Italian. <laughs> well, we're Irish. That's no excuse. There are no excuses. If I'm laying in an infirmity, I need healing, and covering it up with an excuse doesn't make me more attractive to the world. Covering it up with an excuse doesn't make me more attractive to God. Because God sees right through my facade, and he knows my excuses. And he knows the real truth. And he knows me better than I know me. And so when I offer up a lame excuse to God, I'm sure there's times he's, he's, he's probably rolling his eyes at me. Like, oh boy, here we go again. How many of you ever rounded a mountain for 10, 15 years and like, God, I just want to get done with this. Everything the Lord did up here today was designed with this message. It's just that God got impatient He 
He got impatient and said, let's just do, let's just do the work now. I'm, they don't need to wait on you to get up here and blab it to them. Just do it. Don't you love God? He can just bypass our blabbering. But us old worn out preachers get up and blabber anyway. That's just how we are. But like blind Bartimaeus, he wasn't the average believer. He was a man sitting with an infirmity who was sick of his infirmity. He was sick of begging and he was sick of getting his livelihood out of his infirmity. You see, when Jesus asked the man by the pool of Bethesda, he's asking him, just how bad do you want this? Because you understand that after 38 years of this pattern, everything changes. And everything must change in order for you to carry out this healing. And yet, if I heal you, you can't come back here tomorrow and lay down and pretend like nothing happened. You can't come back here and pretend to be crippled. You can't come back here and put on a facade. If you're healed, you got to be healed. Oh, my goodness. And blind Bartimaeus and Mark... He, he's not the average believer. He, he, when Jesus is passing by, he screams out, and the crowd goes, shh. And he went, oh, I'm so sorry. Now, if you've read the story, you know, he said, oh, yeah? Jesus! And they went, shh, stop it. He goes, oh, yeah? Jesus! He was defiant. Sometimes you got to be defiant righteously for what it is you need. And he knew the key was not only to cry out over the crowd for Jesus, but he evoked his Messiahship when he said, Thou son of David, I know who you are. <laughs> And guess what happened? You know the story. Jesus stopped the parade. They were headed down the road, and everything stopped. And Jesus said, who is that? Because he knows who I am. He's not an average believer. He recognizes who I am. The blind man saw what the seeing people didn't see. Oh, my goodness. And he says, tell him to come here. Now, here's the act. And we didn't read the story. I didn't have time today. But here's the act that makes this so powerful. When he called for him, he wore an outer garment that said, blind beggar. Man of infirmity. I'm going to do it. When he heard Jesus, he said, oh, no, I'm not coming back here. I'm going to him. 
I'm throwing off everything that identifies me with my past. I'm throwing off everything that identifies me with infirmity. I'm throwing it off because I ain't coming back blind. I'm coming out of here with my eyesight. I'm coming out of here seeing. I'm coming out of here with the right perspective. I'm coming out of here and going to live the remainder of my life and the remainder of my days as a seeing individual who has all five of his faculties and doesn't have to beg anymore. Oh, I'll go to work. I'll do whatever I need to do, but I'm going to bring glory to his name. I'm going to bring glory to him. I want the whole world to know I found my Messiah, my Mashiach, my healer, my Lord, my God. I found him on the road. No one else could see him, but I found him. Mm. Didn't I say I was just talking? All right, let's talk. You see, you have to do the unthinkable and separate yourself from your infirmity. When you lay in an infirmity long enough, you start identifying with the infirmity, and suddenly it is your character, it is your nature. But that is not the truth about you. That is the lie that has been sold to you by the negative confessions that have been spoke over your life. By the people who've labeled you not smart, not pleasing, not pretty, not skinny, too skinny. Come on, it just goes on and on and on and on. Well, your daddy had a temper. Yes, he did, and I learned some of those behaviors, but I don't have to be that way. I didn't say that personally. I'm just saying that as an illustration. Well, you know, your mama had sinus condition. The whole family had sinus condition. (laughs) Well, now there's truth in there are some genetic things that get passed. But there's a higher truth. Fact is, yeah, I got sinuses from my mama. Truth is, from my papa, I am healed. I carry his DNA more than I carry the natural DNA. And if his word says I'm healed... Mm-hmm. And it takes a walking out and it's not easy. And sometimes you got to take the pills for a while. Sometimes you just got to keep going through the motion, but you got to keep believing. You got to keep moving. You got to keep advancing. You've got to, here's, here's what blind Bartimaeus did. He disassociated himself with his infirmity. He said, enough is enough. Enough is enough. I don't have to go back. I don't have to go back. And I refuse to go back. I choose to leave this circumstance behind me. And I'm getting in the parade. I couldn't walk with the crowd before. 
I would have been a stumbling block. I would have caused problems. I would have, I would have gotten hurt and trampled. But now I'm in lockstep with Jesus. I'm walking with him in the crowd. I'm going with him in the crowd. Why? Because my infirmity is no more. I'm living in him, walking in him, got my being in him. Everything about me screams him. Everything about me says he is the Messiah. Everything about me says I have been healed. No one sees me as a beggar anymore. Now they just say Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus? It used to be blind Bartimaeus. Now it's just Bartimaeus. Blind Bartimaeus, now healed Bartimaeus. That's God's intention for you. That's God's intention for the church of Jesus Christ. He wants us to stop identifying with our infirmity and to come out from among them and to let go of our weaknesses. He wants us to become people who live their life without excuse. Who could say amen to that? Because you are not your weaknesses. But most people, like the man of Bethesda, make excuses for why they are the way they are. When they should say, heal me, Jesus, no matter what it takes and no matter what it costs. But we spend all of our time making excuses. But you have to disassociate with the thing that made you weak in the first place. And most of us have lived a life of negative confession over our life until we have bought every lie that came down the pike. And I, 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 I'm not talking to the world. I'm talking to the church. Those of us who hold the life of God in our grasp. We may have been raised in the church, but how many church lies need to be broke? Oh, yeah, I went there. I'm not talking about we make up our own rules and we do something and skirt and side skirt the word of God. No, 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 no. We apply the word of God. We apply the word of God. We don't make up our own way nor just pick and choose what we want from the Word. We have to live in the whole counsel of God's Word. So I'm not trying to, to water something down here. I want you to see a real picture. I know church is going long, but I want you to see something here. We have to disassociate ourselves from the past. You have to divorce yourself from your infirmity. The only place divorce is really acceptable is here. You've got to divorce yourself from the weakness, which means you're going to have to run back in your heart and your mind and start thinking about all the lies that have been spoken about you. Yeah. You're weak. You're, you're shy. You're this. You're that. You're all these things. you got to go back and reevaluate all that. Is any of that true? Well, of course it's not. Throw it out. And start anew, start afresh. This man on this day, that's what Jesus was telling him. It's time to start afresh. It is time to cast it off. It is time to get up out of this position and this posture and start living your life, not laying here wishing you had a life, but get up and live the life because the fullness of what you need is here if you'll invite the healer into your infirmity. 
Now I'm going to say this. I got to fly and I'll make this quick. Write this down if you're writing. Sin is a crippler. Sin will debilitate you and reduce your usefulness and cripple your effectiveness for the kingdom and its purposes. Do I need to say it again? Sin is a crippler. Sin will debilitate you and reduce your usefulness and cripple your effectiveness for the kingdom purposes. What good is a church that's lame and bedridden and laying helplessly, making excuses and dismissing its responsibilities for its sins while crying out to a world and crying out to the world that they would pray the sinner's prayer and entertain the same sins that the world is entrapped in? That makes the church a hypocrite. Pretend actors who pretend to be one thing while they are really something else. We cry out for the world to change, bring them in here so they can watch all of our weaknesses and lies just lived over and over and over and over and over and over. Oh my goodness. If you're visiting today, I'm sorry. Not really. Because God called us here with a mandate for revival. And you can't revive something unless it's already in trouble. The church of Jesus Christ has lost its way as a whole. As a whole. I'm not here singling out anyone's body. I'm saying as a whole, the body of Christ has lost its way. And we've gotten into such a seeker-sensitive, over-graced situation that we don't put any responsibility on the believer. When Jesus put responsibility on those, he told them, get up from where you are, change your circumstances, and go and sin no more. Leave it alone. Because it only opens up the door for your debilitation in the purposes and the will of God. Is this too harsh? Hmm. I want to share just one area of, of sinfulness, and there are so many, backbiting, gossip, all the things that the church uh, has to deal with. But I just want to share one with you to let you know where we are in the day and age in which we're living. I'm just about one minute over my time. Ladies and gentlemen, in the church of Jesus Christ, In the church of Jesus Christ, the statistics on adultery, fornication, pornography, pedophilia, and same-sex addiction in the church is staggering. I'm not going to throw out the stats because I don't want you walking around looking at everybody going, oh, because one in so many, it will blow your mind, the statistics. Why? Because the church got silent. And pastors got weak. Men of God began to play because they wanted nickels and noses, and they threw the baby out with the bathwater. 
only to find out all you get is a building full of weak people who can't produce anything. Is this too harsh? Because I would much rather tell you truth and, and stand before the Lord with a clear conscience than I would to just tickle your ears and send you out of here and going, oh, wasn't that fun? <laughs> Those of you who know me know I'm not mean-spirited in any way, shape, or form. I'm a very tender-hearted person. I'm a passive person by nature till the Holy Ghost gets a hold of me. But look at this. Look at this. Adultery, fornication, pornography, pedophilia, same-sex attraction in the church is staggering. The Bible's very clear on every one of those areas. Yet in the church, we've so watered down the message that we've allowed society to tell us what the norm should be. And we opened our doors, and in the process <laughs> of straining at a doctrinal gnat, <laughs> we've swallowed a camel. Because we're so worried about offending an individual, we let the enemy come in and wreck the whole. And because we don't demand people to grow, but we keep them as a baby for 50 years, and don't put any demand on their walk in Christ to grow and to change, and invite them to come in with us, we've built a weak, anemic, lethargic church. Now sin-infiltrated church. I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm trying to be encouraging. I want you to understand it don't have to be like this. I want you to understand it don't have to stay like this. We've been sent here to raise up something that once again resembles Christ in the way Christ desires. I'm not saying we're an island and we're the only ones. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying God has called us here to lead a revolution. To join hands and join forces across this community and in this region to restore the image of Christ Jesus back in his church. Who could say amen to that? I've got to hurry. I'm already way past. I've done gone 20 minutes. Yet we tell the world they need saving while our own lives are shameless. Can't you hear the Lord calling out to come out from among them, church? Can you hear the Lord going, come on, come out, come out. Don't live like that. Don't act like that. Don't be like that. Don't confuse. Don't muddy the waters. People want something pure and clean to drink from, not something that's muddied up and trampled up. They want something clear and pure and refreshing. Mm. Our stiff-necked denial and watered-down message on penalty have turned grace into a license to sin instead of a gateway of escape. I'll leave it at that. The church gags on doctrinal gnats while swallowing satanic deceptions. And we've got to stop trying to please society, ladies and gentlemen, and turn the house of God into a rescue mission. Oh, I'm going to say that again. We've got to turn the house of God into a rescue mission. 
But that cannot happen if we are playing with sin. And are we going to lay beside the pool of healing and make excuses or get into the pool of healing and do whatever it takes to become whole and complete in the goal that grace has made for the way of deliverance for the children of God? Deliverance obliterates sin and its crippling effects, but deliverance isn't a one-time prayer. Deliverance is a steady eradication of sin and a dog determination to reject, resist, and continually walk away from our identity with sin and have our identity solely in Christ Jesus. That is deliverance. It's not a one-time prayer. It's praying and then getting up and changing. It's receiving and getting up and walking it out. It is getting a hold of the truth, and when temptation comes, resisting by submitting unto God. That is what deliverance is, and that is what the world needs, and that is what the church of Jesus Christ unfortunately needs in 2019. we got to heal the house of God so we can win the world because the world can't come in here and see us acting like that. They're not going to stay. They're not going to be enamored with our three songs in a sermon. What they want is life change. What they want is to come out of their blindness. What they want is to get up from their lame, crippled situation and walk away. Somebody new than the person they came in. They're waiting on us, church. They're waiting on us to build for them a place of hope and healing and restoration. They're waiting for us. So my question is this, and this is the final thought Church, will we be well? Mm, thank you for your attentiveness today. How many want wholeness in the body of Christ? How many be, want to be well? How many, when you come in here, you want the world to be changed forevermore because they had a real encounter? And then when they look around, they can find somebody they can couple hands with because they know that person isn't dabbling. That person isn't playing. That person isn't playing, saying one thing and doing another. But they can couple hands with them and know that they can help me walk into the fullness of my deliverance and my maturity. That's what the church of Jesus Christ is all about. That's what it's always been all about. It's what Jesus came to deliver to us. That's why I stood against the church and had opposition of the first century church because they had lost their way and was so enamored with the law that they didn't have any regard for humanity. And Jesus came to show us the face of the Father and deliver unto us the power of true deliverance so that what the, what the law could not do, Jesus could do through grace. Why? Because grace is a gateway out of sin. It is a gateway to overcome sin. It is a gateway to get is strong. It is the gateway of deliverance. It is the gateway of God. Yeah. Not an excuse to keep doing what we've always done. God, I pray that the message today gets down in our spirit. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, for going ahead of me and ahead of this message and bringing people to this altar today, Father, who needed a touch from you. There's no shame in needing a touch from God. And there's no shame for admitting that I'm blind or I'm halt or I'm crippled. The only shame is if we choose to stay that way and make an excuse. God, the church of Jesus Christ must choose to be well.
I know I've already had altar calls, all that good stuff. With every head bowed and every eye closed for just a moment, you're here. Today, this message touches you, and there's something in your life that needs to go, and you're just honest enough to raise your hand and say, pray with me. Pastor's got to go. If that's you, raise your hand just real quickly right up. Thank you. Anyone else? Yes, thank you. Thank you for these. I'm not going to make you come forward. I know your life. I know that your desire is to live for God, but I'm going to pray for those of you who raised your hand. God, I pray for these right now in the name of Jesus that this message spoke down deep on the inside and told them there's something, something in me, God, that isn't right, and it's got to go. And I don't want it anymore, and I don't want to make any excuses for it, but, Father, I choose right now by the grace of Jesus Christ to step into the healing. And I invite you, the healer, into this region of my infirmity, and I ask you to heal me from the inside out, cleanse me from all unrighteousness in this area, Father. Take away every excuse and help me, Father, to walk into the fullness of my deliverance today. And I receive you in the fullness as my healer. Body, soul, and spirit, God, here I am, and I receive you as my healer. I cry out like blind Bartimaeus, son of David, Messiah. Save me. Save me isn't just salvation. Save me is from everything. Save me, God, because my salvation is everything that I come in contact with that I would destroy myself with. Save me, God, from me. Save me from my self-will. Save me from my, my own desires, my own wants, and the things that so easily trip me up. Save me, God. Fill me with overflowing. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We would love to connect with you on Facebook or Instagram at Passion Church Mo. Until next time, God bless.